This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. I hope everybody had a great bye weekend. I hope everybody had a chance to spend some time with your family or watch some other football. Uh, not sure what games you would have turned into, but uh, I don't know. Kind of miss having a little Georgia football last weekend. Don't know about you. I'm putting this out on Twitter right now. Uh, live now. Boom. Link. Want everybody to have a chance to watch the program tonight. Really excited. About 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Edgar Thompson of the Orlando Sentinel. Edgar, a buddy of mine that covers the Florida Gators, and him and I kind of talk all season, keep tabs with what the rival's doing, and uh, just talk as sports writers. You know, it's been interesting. And I'll start out, uh, today we went to the press conference, and Kirby Smart was asked about the quarterback situation. And look, this is the this is the number one team in the country, guys. This is... This is Georgia's best chance for a national championship, hands down, not even close. And part of it is that Georgia's a great team. But the other part of it is that there's no other great teams out there. We saw Tennessee leading Alabama 14-7 to in Tuscaloosa going into the second quarter. That's still a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter. That's mighty Alabama. That looks like maybe, maybe the second-best team. Or is it the Ohio State? And people always say, why do you say the Ohio State? I say it sarcastically. It's Ohio State. But if you talk to the Ohio State people, they want to be called the Ohio State. And I covered the Big Ten for four years at Michigan State, and it kind of became a running joke among some of us Spartan beat writers, the Ohio State. We were covering a Big Ten championship game one year, and Ohio State went ahead in the third quarter over Michigan State. And I kid you not, the Ohio State beat writers literally picked up the phone and started making reservations for the first round of the college football playoffs, right? I mean, the game's not over yet. They just they went ahead by mid. We're sitting there looking at each other like, they think this game's over with, really? And sure enough, Michigan State came back to beat the Ohio State. So we have some fun with the Ohio State. But in all seriousness, those Buckeyes are explosive. They, to me, look like the team that Georgia is going to have to beat for the national championship right now, as things stand. Now, that said, this is where I'm going to say that really confuse you. I think Florida is going to give Georgia a game. I really do. The Gators pack a punch. They average over 500 yards of offense per game. Florida should have, would have, could have beaten Alabama. Florida could have, should have, would have beaten Kentucky. You know, they had 15 penalties against Kentucky. And then they had four interceptions at LSU. And then they get stopped on a two-point conversion. And Dan Mullen says it. And if you're a Georgia fan, you make fun of Florida. I get it. But if you're like objective reporter, you look at me. And when he says this is true, three or four plays, they're an undefeated team. Seriously. This team is not bad. If Florida puts it all together, if Florida doesn't have the penalties, if Florida, and you might say, well, Mike, they haven't. I, I, I know that. I'm just saying, if they put it all together, this could be trouble. And as dominant as Georgia's been, they were beating Kentucky 14 to seven at the half. That's why you need JT Daniels at quarterback. That's why if JT Daniels is healthy, he will be the quarterback for this game. Kirby Smart is not stupid, okay? Here's the key stat. This is what you need to know. There's a lot of inflated numbers out there. There's a lot of bubba mentality. Let's go with the Georgia guy, okay? But if you want to just talk football and your aptitude in your brain, all right? And I talk with NFL scouts that are laughing out loud at some of the comparisons. Okay, here's what you need to know. Apples to apples versus the Southeastern Conference. JT Daniels on third down passes. Nine of nine, nine first down conversions. Stetson Bennett versus SEC team. Third down passes. Eight of 17, but only two of 17 third down conversions. What can we take from this class? What we can take from this is that when the other team knows you have to throw the football, one of your quarterbacks can still throw the football for a first down and the other one struggles in obvious passing situations and has to rely on the play action run game. Rely on it. Yes, Stetson can run the ball. JT doesn't have to. It's the old Jake Fromm line. He gets out of trouble before he gets into trouble with the pre-snap read, with his ability to read the entire field 
instead of half of it. That's how much more JT Daniels gives you. That's apples to apples. And you'll see that on display. JT is a guy that can use the entire field and open it up. And if he is right, if he's 100, he's going to be the guy. Now, Stetson can get it done, is capable, is adequate, but would probably only other start for two other SEC teams. That's just the reality. All right. I'm not hating on Stetson. I'm just talking real here. The kid has done a great job. He's stepped up. He's a part of this championship season. He's a folk hero. He's impressed me. He's improved since last year. He's got moxie. He doesn't get you beat. But if we're talking about playing another red hot team and getting into a shootout, we've seen that act before. And it is what it is. So we'll see how this week progresses. I want to give you some practice notes. Kirby opened up practice, and I'm going to tell you, he didn't do that because he likes the media, okay? He ain't trying to make any friends, and he does not care about the media. I've told you this before. Every Kirby smart decision can be answered like this. Does it help us win a championship? Yes or no? There is a reason that Kirby smart opened up practice. He doesn't have to. Nobody makes him. This is only the third time all year. Why would Kirby smart open up practice to the media. What does he want the media to tell you right now? Well, number one, he showed us the order of the quarterbacks. He didn't have to do that. He chooses what drills we see. We saw a drill where the quarterbacks went in order one, two, three, four, and it was JT, Stetson, Beck, and Brock, okay? It was James Cook, Samir, Kenny McIntosh, and Dejan. Starting receivers were A.D., Ladd, uh, they had Fitzpatrick, and Kiaris Jackson. Okay, so that's Kirby, like, showing it. That doesn't mean he's got to stick to it. He can change it up, but that's what he showed us, knowing we would report that. We watched J.T. Daniels throw passes at every level, short, intermediate, and long. J.T. showed no effects. J.T. looked good. J.T. was spotting the ball. It was there for everyone to see. George Pickens was still in a non-contact jersey, which makes us think that he won't play. He could take that non-contact jersey off and surprise us, but I think Kirby was showing his hand. Arian Smith was back out there running around. I think this is key. I think if you're Florida, you're aware now, wow, JT Daniels is really back. We know what Stetson could do. We've got to prepare for JT and Stetson. We know that this Arian Smith guy, this 4.23 guy, and even though he may not have done much, when he's on the field, you better identify number 11. If, if that other team has got a 4.23 guy, you better know where he's at if you're a DC, okay? Because a jet sweep can be coming, a, a quick little shuffle pass, or he can take you deep, and you better give safety help. So the fact that number 11 was running around out there, again, I truly believe that Kirby wanted the media there so that we could report all this. So that Todd Grantham could be sitting there in Florida going, son of a, you know, this Smith kid's coming back, right? The Kenny McIntosh is back. You know, now Florida knows they have all this to prepare for. Two different types of quarterbacks. Kirby has thrown up this unbelievable smoke screen of mixed messages. You know, uh, it's like it, it depends on what direction you look at, what you see, what you want to see, however you read his quotes. Well, that sounds to me like Stetson's going to start. Well, I'll read the same thing, and I'll tell you, it sounds to me like JT's going to start. Really? Because I read it, and I think both of them are going to play. Well, I didn't get that sense at all. Kirby has completely thrown a smokescreen out there. He doesn't want you to know who the starter's going to be. And it's quite possible, and I truly believe this, that he's not even sure. He wants to see how practice goes. So he brought the media out there. We watched everything. There you go. Here you go, guys. What do you think? Huh? He's got a few more days of prep, right? And he's good with either one. And he said it today. I'm good with whatever guy helps us win the game. Now, we talked to Lad McConkey today. And how many of you knew at the start of the year that Lad McConkey would be the leading receiver at the midway point of the season? How many of you knew he'd be the top receiver? Now, Brock Bowers has the most catches. But in the receiving core, it's Lad McConkey. And Ladd told us that JT's look good. Someone said, well, did he look rusty? And Ladd said, what? Did you say, does he look rusty? And Ladd said, I, I wouldn't say that. He said, I'd say he stayed ready. Ladd talked about how JT has stayed plugged in. 
He talked about how JT continues to talk to Stetson. Every time they come off the field, they're talking. Even though JT's not playing, he says that tells you what kind of player he is. We interviewed Jordan Davis today. And I turned to a sports writer, another sports writer, after the interview was over. And I said, you know what? Interviews like that remind you of why we like being sports writers. I can't say enough about the kind of young man that Jordan Davis is. I really can. I, it was so refreshing and so much fun. I love this guy. I really love this guy. This, You know, the fact that he came back for his senior year, and I asked him about that. I said, do you think we'll see a trend of this now? Now that there's NIL, maybe we'll see more guys come back for their senior year where they can make enough money to take care of their family and still improve their draft stock and have a chance to win a national championship. And Jordan said he wouldn't trade it for anything. He's loved this experience. He said it was locked down when Devontae Wyatt said he was coming back. He said, that's my dog. That's when I knew I was coming back. And uh, you just can't say enough for Jordan the way he talks about the team. You know, the no-name defense. I, I haven't written that story. You're getting a preview of it. I'll write it for tomorrow morning. Uh, he, he likes the no-name. And I like the no-name defense. He said because it's the story of everybody doing their role. It's not about one guy getting all the glamour and glitz. He doesn't want all that. Now, listen, he's flattered by the Heisman talk, but I want to give you some real talk here. I'm not here to poo-poo this. I'm just here to give you real talk because I like the people that watch On the Beat to be educated, okay? Jordan's got 15 or 16 tackles. There was a player, and some of you may remember, his name was Ndamukong Sue. He's still in the NFL, and he played at Nebraska. And Ndamukong Sue was a top five Heisman guy at Nebraska in 2009. Let me tell you what his stats were, okay? He had 85 tackles. I think Jordan has 15 right now. He had 12 sacks. He had three blocked kicks. He had 10 pass breakups. He led Nebraska in tackles from nose tackle. He was the big 12 player of the year. And he finished fourth in the Heisman voting. That's how hard it is for a defensive lineman to be recognized. Okay. Now, I believe that Jordan Davis is the favorite to win the Nagurski Award. And the Nagurski Award is presented out of Charlotte, North Carolina, where, where Jordan is from. But it goes to the best defensive player of the year. I presented that award as the football writer's president uh, twice. It's a fantastic award. If he wins the Nagurski, that's huge. I believe he has a chance at the Outland Trophy, which goes to the best lineman, offense or defense. I covered another defensive lineman that won that, John Henderson. At Tennessee, I believe Jordan can win that. It would be nice to see Jordan get a trip to New York as a finalist. And if if George is undefeated and beats Alabama, I think that can happen. Uh, but to, to say he's going to win the Heisman, that's probably not going to happen. It's fun to talk about, but he's just not on the field enough, and the numbers won't get him there alone. Georgia will need to be the number one defense, be undefeated, and he'll need to make a few more plays, which I think he will. So it's exciting and it's fun. But for perspective, just remember Ndamukong Sue, who may have been the greatest college football defensive lineman in history. When you look at that 2009 season, 85 tackles. That's for a nose tackle. That's amazing. I did a, a, a mid-season stock report and Edgar's going to join us in a minute and then we're going to take our halftime break. And I want to go over the, the future stock. I listed some guys that, that had the soaring stock on the first half of the year. Brock Bowers, Jordan Davis, Jamari Sellier. What can you say about Jamari? What an unselfish team leader. James Cook, fantastic 6.3 yards per carry. Uh, led the backs with 11 carries. I was really impressed with Cook. I was the one guy calling him out saying he couldn't run between the tackles. I asked him about running between the tackles. He smiled at me and said some people said they didn't think I could do it. He was talking to me. You got me, James. Tremendous job. He looks outstanding between the tackles. He looks like an NFL running back. Lad McConkey, how can you not like this story? A guy Tennessee wouldn't offer. The only other SEC offer was from Vanderbilt. He had an offer from West Point. He would have been a tremendous U.S. Army officer, by the way. As it is, he's this incredible uh, story at receiver and, and a former quarterback in high school. You can just tell really gels with the quarterbacks. And N'Kobe Dean, who's just Roquan Smith, too. Uh, Nicobe, just outstanding. Just sideline to sideline. You can't say enough about this kid. Second half surge. This is what I wanted to get to. These are the guys, if I was buying stock in Georgia players, 
that I thought would surge the second half. Darnell Washington, three catches, three uh, three games so far. Wait for Big Zero to get healthy. Looking at him in practice again today just amazes me how big and athletic he is. He's got to be at least six foot eight. Adani Mitchell, if JT's plugged in at quarterback, you're going to see that X receiver get more involved downfield. Adani with the fast twitch. I think he could be the guy, even though Rosemary Jack Sane is back. I think Adani brings a lot of burst and explosion in that position. Nolan Smith, you get the feeling he's turning the corner. You might say he's a little undersized for that outside linebacker position, a little bit smaller than Aziz, but the quickness, the toughness. I like Nolan Smith the second half of the season. Adam Anderson, only 4.5 sacks. His goal was 20. Don't know that he's going to get there. I just get the feeling there's going to be some matchups, though, against Tennessee, against Florida, against Alabama, when there are those mobile quarterbacks in there. I think that's when you see Adam Anderson deployed in that hybrid star role because I don't think Georgia plays a true 3-3-5 in those games. I think it's more of a 3-4. Devontae Wyatt, the pit bull we talked about, he plays next to Jordan Davis. Jordan gets a lot of love. Devontae's so fast off the ball. They call him the pit bull. I expect him to really ratchet it up second half of the season. Zamir White ran into Zamir today in the parking lot, shook his hand, told him he looks fantastic when he's going north and south. He looks like an NFL running back. The last couple of games, we're seeing Zamir White come to fruition. I am happy for Zamir. Thrilled for this guy. He has persevered. I've been one of his biggest critics. Uh, but the way he's running the football right now, the guy's on a mission. I expect him to have a fantastic second half of the year with Kendall Milton injured. And, and I believe that Zamir White is going to continue to go north and south and make some serious yards. And, and JT Daniels, if JT's 100 and stays 100, this offense is a rocket ship. I'm telling you, it's going to take off. Todd Munkin's scheme is virtually unstoppable when you have a quarterback that can make the proper pre-snap read and make all of the throws unstoppable. Read Eric Zier's comments. I have a story up on the web right now. From this morning, Eric Zier commented on quarterbacks, commented on the offense. Eric Zier, to me, one of the best color analysts for any school out there and really knows Georgia football. You guys know this. I've told you this before. When I was covering Alabama and I saw Eric Zier play at Georgia, he was one of the guys I really gravitated toward. I loved his field vision. I loved his arm. I think he just got unlucky with the teams he got drafted by. Eric Zier, big-time quarterback, big-time analyst. Really enjoy Eric Zier's commentary, and I got a lot of quotes from Eric Zier that I put up uh, from Kirby's show last week. You can read that this morning. You can read that stock report. Midseason stock report is up. Uh, I have a practice report up, all up on dognation.com. If you're not following me on Twitter right now, what is wrong with you? At Mike Griffith32, uh, I put out all sorts of tweets and comments. I was the one that gave you guys the great story about how Kirby cleared everything up at the quarterback position. That it wasn't clear. That was one of my tweets today. I've got all sorts of good information, links, and of course, by now you all have the Dog Nation app. You know it's free. Anytime a story breaks, boom, it buzzes, it goes. Breaking news, Jeff Sintel's intel on recruiting, Connor Riley, next game times. I mean, the, the thing is humming all day long with news and alerts you so that you, you don't have to check your phone. Your phone checks you. Want to take a break right now. When I come back, Edgar Thompson's going to join me. Edgar, good buddy of mine. Knows the Florida Gators like nobody. He just tells it like it is. And uh, you, you'll you'll pick up on that real quick. Um, you, you guys know I tell it like it is, too. And and each Monday night, I tell you about Ingles. And I remind you uh, about the service. I remind you about the reliability, the dependability, uh, the sacrifices that the Ingles workers made during the most difficult times in our society. Ingles was there to serve us. And we always take this moment to recognize and appreciate our on-the-beat sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for you. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back. Back to the program, Mike Griffith here. I'm waiting for Edgar to be popped up on the screen. I'll tell you that, and there he is, and there's the empty room, Edgar. We'll get to Edgar in a moment. 
Game day is going to be in East Lansing for undefeated Michigan against undefeated Michigan State. I don't think either one of those teams can beat the Ohio State, but they're both undefeated, and thus that is where ESPN game day will be. We will have SEC Nation in Jacksonville for the Georgia-Florida game. Self-promotion here. I'll be on set with Paul Feinbaum on Friday with SEC Nation to talk about, in the Feinbaum show, to talk about the matchup. And tonight, we have a very special celebrity joining us, and that's Mr. Edgar Thompson. Edgar, how you doing tonight, man? Yeah, sorry about that. I was just getting some more iced tea. I mean, I tell you, you are holding court there, my man. Well, you know, I think things. It's only appropriate because, Edgar, Florida's been a no-show all year. So, you know, you were right in line with the just kidding, just kidding. You you yeah. are, you are work Dan Mullen so Does he like you? Because you ask the most difficult questions in the nicest of ways. And he seems to really, you know, like you and try, try hard to answer your questions as hard as they are. What's that relationship like? I think Dan and I get along well. I mean, I, I actually like Dan. I think he's interesting. He comes at things with a unique perspective. He doesn't, I think Kirby's a little more on point uh, with his answers. You got to kind of find the answer within Dan and he has to kind of find it as he talks, but he, he definitely has a uh, different way of looking at things sometimes that I find interesting he's not very fun to cover though when they're not doing well his frustration um i don't know whether it's pressure at times he feels the fans certainly are hard on the guy and he's earned it this year and then last year you know at the end of the year the way it ended i mean you look at it right now mike they're two and six in their last eight games and it's power five all right the wins are tennessee which tennessee's looked better than that day um, got it put to him pretty good late the other day or second half the other day. But, and then um, it says I'm frozen. Am I frozen? No, you're not frozen. You're good. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I look like I'm moving. Okay. But, but anyway, so, um, and then Vanderbilt, that's their two wins. I mean, you've lost twice to LSU when you were, should have won those games. You're favored against LSU teams that are in total disarray and fire the coach the next day. It's like, that was bad. You go to Kentucky, commit 15 penalties, give up a block field goal. You should win the game. I mean, right? It's like they have lost games they should be winning, and that's where the frustration comes in. You play Alabama to six points last year in the ACC title game. You, um, you know, play them to two points here in the swamp. You, you maybe play Georgia close this week. I mean, if they do, Gators could. I'm not saying it'll happen. It also could go south real quickly. And, and fans would be happy, but then they look at these other things, and it's like – and then Dan's – the lack of accountability really bothers people. It's like, what happened? You know, what went wrong here? Why 15 penalties? Why don't you go to the silent count? You get eight – Call start penalties, three of them in the red zone on the last two possessions, and you walk away with three points. And he's just like kind of blows it off. Like, that's what, that's what we did. That's what we're going to do. And it's like we're asking Anthony Richardson, is he going to start? Now, I do understand why he doesn't want to tip his hand on that. And I don't even know if it's a sound strategy to start him against this defense. But – and and maybe shatter his confidence or, or ding his confidence, maybe shatter it, but dang it, potentially. So so don't maybe you don't want to reveal that, but it, it's like everything's just like so close to the vest, the lack of accountability at times. I think that stuff just rubs the fans wrong. But I but I get along with the guy. I think he I think he's a good coach. I still think that he's a good fit for this program, but it's, it's really, it's looking shakier than it ever has in his four years. I, I gotta be honest, Mike. I mean, these comments are flying out of the right side. man. I mean, do you see these? I just see the top ones. I, I don't read the, I mean, the, I don't the know, lines. Like, until I'm they're ready. just like really distracting me. They're, they're funny. <laughs> you, 
you got a hell of a following here and they're funny comments, but I, it's just like, I, I'm trying to focus. It's a little difficult. Yeah, it, it, it can be. And, and, and I mean, and I'm kind of wandering because it's like, I'm kind of like going to do this. Like, yeah, you, a you can't do that. Kind of if, you, if you let the savages get in your head, the savages will get in your head. I was yeah. on the, uh, I was on the teleconference last week when Dan spoke and, and I yeah. was actually impressed with the way he handled the questions and, and Edgar, I'm more impressed. This is going to sound completely bass backwards, but I'm more impressed with Dan now than I was at the beginning of the season. And here's why they scored 42 points on LSU, despite having four picks, they had four picks and they still scored 42 points. They only lost to Kentucky by a touchdown with 15 penalties. They could have, should have, would have, and I said it at the time, beaten Alabama. They looked like the better team. It wasn't like Alabama was, was head and shoulders. Florida looked like the better team in that game. They, they dominated three quarters. This Florida team, to me, is extremely dangerous. They're averaging over 500 yards. And Dan said it, and I know that guys like you and Mark Long are kind of tough on them, but they really are three or four plays away from being 7-0. and and, if, and you think about it, you've got a chance if you're Florida. You, you've been knocked down in the dirt. But if you beat Georgia, oh, it yeah. all goes away. This, this, is, this is our season. This is a great setup and a great spot for the Florida Gators, I think. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, this is the season right here. They are putting – apparently practice was very intense today, talking to someone who was there. I mean, they see this as an opportunity. They're playing it. Look, they're playing the number one ranked team for the second time in six games. Uh, Antonio Valentino, who, by the way, that was going to be my lead in. The Valentino is after your heart. Ha ha. As in, you know, Rudolph Valentino, of course. But, <laughs> but he is because today, this guy, he comes from Penn State, graduate transfer, right? Walks in today and says he hopes, he wishes these, this series would go to a home and home. I'm like, I said to him, I said, man, so you basically just like come on in from the up in the Northeast and now you're proclaiming that the Georgia, the oldest, you know, they need to move the game out of Jacksonville. I said, Mike Griffith get to you. I didn't say that, but, <laughs> but yes. So he, he thinks that, but no. So, um, but these guys, they see, he'd never played a number one team in his life, is my point. At Penn State, Ohio State was two and three. Not ever played a one. And now he's played two and six games in eight, an eight-game season now so far. Shows you the difference in SEC caliber competition, which is what the kid wanted to face. But this is a season maker. They go into this game. They win this. They could get some momentum. They still got a shot at 10 wins if they win this game. They lose this game. The best they can do is eight and four. And, and it sets up that they should win the eight games, right, at South Carolina, at Missouri, Samford, FSU here. Those are None of those teams are playing well. They, they should beat all those teams and then maybe win a bowl game, nine-win season. You get to it in a different fashion than you did last year. You go eight and four in a different way, a more appetizing way. It's all Excuse about – I, I said it last year. It's all about the schedule. Last year, the schedule did not work for Georgia. They had that physical – you know, Kentucky has become a factor, okay? Kentucky's not going to mm -hmm. beat you, but they're going to beat you up. And, and they're that game. You don't want to play a team after you play Kentucky. Last year, four Georgia guys went out against Kentucky, and that was the game before Florida. And it had been a rocky road. Meanwhile, Florida, I still think, and I would never say anyone benefits from COVID, but they benefited from having two out of three weeks off before they played Georgia. They were a much fresher team. And then they knocked Steph, They knocked the starting quarterback out when they were down 14-0, to and there was that incredible Kyle Trask explosion probably the worst quarter of Kirby Smart's head coaching career when Georgia went from being up seven to down 38-24 in a matter of 12 minutes. They went from up 24-17 or up 21-17 to down 38-24 in 12 minutes in the second quarter with Kyle Trask just, you know, pop a shot, not moving. I mean, and, and the wheel routed, and we just saw Florida hit a gear there 
for 12 minutes where they just took over that game. And Georgia had no firepower to answer with. The run game was getting stuffed. They went three and out. That's going to be a big factor. You know, I want to ask you about that because, you know, Stetson Bennett, as I said at the introduction of the show, when I was, you know, sharing with the audience why JT Daniels is the obvious choice, he's got to have a run game. He's got to have play action. He's not a guy that's going to drop back and pick you apart. Can this Florida defense, Edgar, stop the run? Because I've, I've seen some yes and I've seen some no. What are your thoughts about the Florida D against a run game? Well, they better hope the LSU game was an outlier. And I still can't explain what happened in that game. Ty Grantham came in tonight. Uh, I just was basically, first question, what happened in that game? I mean, I know you want to look ahead, but we got to go back because we hadn't talked to him yet. He said I, he was blindsided by it, basically. They, they played pretty – I mean, they held Kentucky to 220. Um, Alabama, they, you know, contained – they missed a lot of tackles early out in the flats, but generally contained. What's the running back's name, Brian Robinson? Yeah, yeah. I like back. him. Oh, I yeah, like he's an him. NFL back. He's an NFL he's back. He's a big, strong, hard-running, good speed. He didn't run all over Florida. So I don't know what happened last week. The guy, or two weeks ago, that guy, Tyrion, whatever, I can't remember his name now. Because he hadn't done anything. Yeah. I mean, no one knew who he was. He matched his season total with 287 in the game. He 287 yards, school record. It's like, what? It, it was just crazy. And they kept running the same play, the counter. It was just like, I don't know what the heck happened in that game. I don't know that Grantham does. I mean, they didn't adjust. Now, Florida has some issues on defense. I mean, the linebackers are converted safeties. Diabati is not stout. He's more of an edgy kind of guy. Hopper is from Georgia. He was a good safety who's built up. But he just does – you got to – you need to have that girth, man, to take on these SEC guards, you know. And, and get off blocks. They just didn't get off blocks the whole day. It was just a brutal performance. So they're going to have to, you know, stop the run. But Stetson Bennett has been a revelation this year somewhat. I mean, I haven't followed him that closely, but the little bit I've watched, I mean, he is a different guy than last year, for sure. I mean, that's stating the obvious, but he's he seems like he could be, I mean, especially running, I mean, he can be a little dangerous there. Um I think the real, obviously the game story is this potentially generational defense because it sure looks like one, at least on paper right now. I mean, five touchdowns, 6.6 points. That Alabama D in 11 gave up, what, 8.2? Pretty amazing defense that year. This one's even given up fewer. Um, you know, it's on track for all kinds of records, I assume, up there. School records, I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but... You could tell me, but Dan is going to have a plan. He's going to have a game plan. He's a good play caller. We know that. He's going to have some things up his sleeve. They're going to do some things that Kirby's not expecting, like that wheel route last year that he's killed him with. What's he going to, what soft spot is he going to find if there is one? And the other thing he has is Anthony Richardson. This kid is a special talent. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he really has a strong arm, his accuracy is surprising, he processes pretty quickly. Emory Jones has gotten his shot, great kid, excellent teammate, waited his time, um, you know, served as a backup, did, did his, you know, job, and got his chance, and he just, it's just something's missing with him. He doesn't, he's late on throws, he, he doesn't, attack downfield. His running skills are pretty good. And you might bring him in for a change of pace for a series here and there. Richardson needs to be the guy. I, I think it needs to start this weekend. Yes, you could shatter his confidence or dent it, as I said. I don't know that this kid's confidence is shatterable, but he is a big time player. And he's really in his first year, if you want to be fair. I mean, like Caleb Williams is a first year freshman. Anthony Richardson, in essence, is. I mean, he comes in as an early enrollee, COVID stops spring ball. Last year, what do you think meetings were like last year? They were never full offensive meetings. 
you never put everyone in the quarterback room together because someone you could have gotten everyone sick. You could have had to forfeit games. So this kid has finally gotten a real season and had the hamstring injury, if not for that, which cost him a couple of games, he'd be even farther ahead in his development. But we saw against LSU, I mean, the explosiveness of this kid, four straight possessions, touchdowns, incredible confidence. Now, he makes a couple of boneheaded throws. I mean, tried to make too much happen on that last throw. He's got to learn from that, and we'll see if he does, because he's going to have to eat the football or throw it out of bounds a few times this week to or make a big mistake, and you can't afford those in this game. But the kid is special. He's got, got all the tools. And, and we'll see if he has the mental capacity, you know, handle a big time game like this because he's going to play a lot. I mean, he might not start, but he's going to play. Yeah. You know, Edgar, I'll just say this. And, and look, I know Georgia fans want blood in this game. I think Kirby wants blood in this game. I think Georgia uh, is going to be ready for this game. Uh, I think they'll look better and play better than they did against Kentucky. But, but Will Levis, I was impressed with the Kentucky quarterback. 32 of 42 passing, only 192 yards, very controlled passing game, but two touchdowns, no interceptions. Edgar, that's a 14-7 game at the half. Okay, that's Kentucky. In Sanford Stadium, was down by seven points after 30 minutes of play. Kentucky. Now, Florida, to me, I know they lost head-to-head, but that was in Lexington. They lost to LSU in Baton Rouge. This is neutral site. There's no noise. Now, if this game was at the Swamp, I think Georgia would be on upset alert. I don't think they'd lose, but I think this is a game everybody would have circled because the Swamp is still worth 7 to 10 points. They should have beaten Alabama there. I mean, they looked like the better team. But the fact that Kentucky played Georgia, the difference is this. If number 18 drops out there, quarterback for Georgia, it's over. It's lights out. They're going to light it up. They're going to get to this Florida secondary. They're going to move the ball around. JT converts third downs. But if you see Stetson out there and Kirby tries to play this run play action game and slug it out, the Gators are not a team you want to slug it out with, Edgar. The way they're able to run the ball. Talk about some of these running backs because a lot of what Florida's doing is on the ground. On the ground. It's not like last year when Trask was pop a shot. Quick pass here, Pitts, Tony, perimeter. These guys absolutely grind you from what I've seen. And and to me, Georgia hasn't faced a team like that. I asked Kirby Smart about that today. I said, this team averages 500 yards. He said, they're very different than anyone we've played. Now, Georgia's played plenty of ranked teams, all right? Arkansas was number eight. They really weren't the eighth best team in the country. Uh, our Auburn was 18. That's probably pretty legit. Uh, who else did they play that was right? Kentucky, 11, 12. Okay, maybe that's about right. Uh, but Florida, to me, is every bit as good, better, better than Kentucky, better offense than Georgia's seen all year. Auburn was the top passing offense that Georgia has faced. They ranked 49th going into last weekend. I'm not saying they haven't played anybody, but they haven't played a team capable of exposing them in the secondary, I don't think they've played a team that has the offensive balance that the Florida Gators present, especially if Richardson is at quarterback. I didn't realize that about Auburn. Now, this team got away from its identity, I believe, a bit uh, with the running. It was it ran, it ran Alabama off the field. I mean, it was like out. It was more physical team in the trenches in Alabama. I haven't seen that in a long time where it seems like pushing around Alabama. Now they got, they got a little banged up on the line as part of the problem, the Gators. So maybe they got away from like what the identity was looking like it was going to be for this team. But I think they need to try to reestablish that some. I mean, look, Richardson and Jones both are terrific runners. I mean, Emory slippery, instinctive, got a little, you know, quickness to him. Um, Anthony's got the long speed and the, and the size. He's hard to take down. And if he gets the edge on you, yeah, he is fast, this kid. He's more of a strider, but, man, he can get going. I mean, he saw him against USF. 
he's outrunning DBs with angles, his blurring angles. Yeah, you saw. I mean, the guy, the guy already has a 75 and 80 yard touchdown run. I mean, they were going to FAU and USF. Those guys still have some speed. I mean, they have like not great players, but they still are recruiting, you know, South Florida kids that are three stars that can run. And he just, it was a joke how fast he is. So they can, those guys, he's going to, like I said, Dan is going to have some creativity. They might get back to the run a little bit more. I don't know why they abandoned it quite like they did. They had to, I guess, in LSU. And that, that was what LSU was giving the Gators. And they took advantage. But, I mean, Richardson did throw three touchdowns. But I, I just feel like they kind of got away from that a little bit, what they did against Alabama. And it might have just been injuries in the offensive line. So if they're healthy up there and get back to that, then it is going to be a very, very big challenge balance-wise. I'm looking at the stats. I mean, Richardson and Jones have combined for eight 42 rushing the two quarterbacks. 842. Wait a minute. How much, Edgar? 842. They've got 842 yards rushing from the quarterback position. Yeah. And then wow. you have three running backs, Davis, Pearson, Wright, who are a combined, you know, 750, 750 plus. So they, you know, they have a, they have options there. I mean, they have five people averaging five plus a carry. I mean, you have Wright at five, Paris at five seven, Davis five four, Emory at five eight, and Richardson twelve four. So those two on the on the strength of those two long runs, but yeah, they they have they have options and they're explosive. So it will be interesting. One thing the Gators really don't have is, I mean, their wide receivers are decent, but they don't have like, I mean, they have some good receivers. Don't get me wrong. But they're not – they don't have, like, that Tony or – Tony's rare. But, I mean, he already has almost a 200-yard game in the NFL as a rookie. But it's like they don't have that super explosive, like, perimeter guy. And they certainly don't have a Kyle Pitts. Right. Who does? And that but, really – truly to beat Georgia, I, I think that, to me, that's the winning edge. The team that, the team that has the best chance of beating Flor- beating Georgia – is a team that can get to the secondary. And Kirby talked about that front seven is so good, it covers up the back end, right? You know, you've got Ringo back there, who's a freshman. He's been exploited, pass interference. Guys, are they're going to be zeroing in. Mullen's got him circled. He's got Breeny circled. He's going to be going at Breeny. He's the star. He's going to be going at Ringo. He's going to be going at those guys. He's got to find time to get the ball downfield. You're telling me Richardson uh, has uh, some surprising accuracy, uh, Georgia can be had there if you can protect long enough. And that's where these mobile quarterbacks that Florida has can create some problems. If they're able to buy some time and throw off platform, whether it's playing bootleg action, rollout, waggle, if they can buy enough time to exploit those corners, that's where Georgia can get hurt. I don't know that Florida has the receivers, as you said, to exploit that soft spot on the defense. So far, nobody really has. Well, South Carolina did. South Carolina hit four pass plays over 35 yards. Now, that was Luke Doty, and he's out. But still, South Carolina? I mean, that ain't that ain't exactly the bruisers of the mid. I mean, that's not exactly a great team, and they hit four pass plays over 35 yards on Georgia. So Georgia does have a soft spot that a team like Alabama may be able to exploit. That's why Georgia needs to get back to playing explosive football on offense. We, I feel like we've had this conversation, you know, that you can't just win with defense. Everybody seemed to agree on that after the last couple of years, after LSU and Alabama put up these prolific numbers on offense. We all agreed that college football had reached a stage that you better be able to score points, and Kirby Smart agreed. And then a funny thing happened. All the great quarterbacks left at once, or so it seemed. And now we look around the SEC, and who are the great quarterbacks that we're really talking about? I mean, I don't really, I don't see anybody that I'm going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to get that guy on my fantasy football team. You know, Bryce Young. I mean, he's only a freshman, Edgar. He looks susceptible. He looks like he can get rattled. I thought Tennessee got to him. That was a good football game for three quarters. The balls played Alabama 
toe-to-toe. As I said, Florida outplayed Alabama for three quarters. The Vols went toe-to-toe, and yet Alabama's got the matchups with those dynamic receivers that they could score on Georgia. So the question to me is, is Florida team enough for Georgia to turn to the explosive quarterback in JT Daniels and start airing it out? I know Kirby is a defensive coach. I know he's more comfortable with ball control, smash mouth, field position. That's his comfort zone. That's his wheelhouse. I don't care what he says. That's how these defensive coaches think. I covered Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. I covered Gene Stallings at Alabama. They all think the same. They want to win with defense and field position. They don't want to really take chances on offense unless they have to. Well, we're going to find out if Kirby realizes that he has to to protect this perfect season. And I think the Florida Gators are going to do them a favor by pushing Georgia to play explosive football. I think Florida will score at least, Edgar, 17 points in this football game. What do you think about that prediction? I think I do too. I think that Mullen, as I keep saying, is going to have some stuff that was going to even surprise us. I'm kind of looking forward to what his game plan is. He's going to have a good game plan. Trust me. Whether they can execute it, we'll see. I do think that Richardson, when you talk about fantasy football, if you're doing one of those keeper leagues, he'd be a guy I'd draft because he's got a bright future. Whether he's ready to take on a challenge like this, I mean, this could be the coming out of all time for this kid, right? But it could be a real reality check for the kid too. But th- that's the opportunity that's presented for this kid. It's exciting for him, I'm sure. I don't know what this kid's makeup is. If he gets nervous, if he's got just, you know, incredible confidence in himself, I would guess it's the latter. I just don't know. I mean, we haven't talked, we've talked to him a couple of times. He's very measured, seems very smart, um, level-headed, but he even admits he gets very emotional. He's very competitive. So he, he, let, he rattles himself sometimes with his fire and his emotion. He said he got a little bit against LSU that way. But I don't know, man. I think that Dan's going to, again, have he's going to have some stress points, as you pointed out. You named a couple of, of them that he's going to try to exploit. We'll see if he can. But here's what I'll say in conclusion, because Bianchi, I was on his show last week, and he was talking about Mullins recruiting, which hasn't been at Florida standards which is top 10 classes, not fringe top 10. I mean, this is the, the current class, 22, is even like late teens right now. Now, it'll pick up and get up into the, you know, 12, 14 range, and who knows, maybe they'll put and have a late push. But that, I said, you're going to see the difference in recruiting on October 30th. Excuse me, I said that last week. You have 25 stars in the last four years in Georgia since 18. The Gators have two they signed. They're brought four through the transfer portal. One is Brenton Cox, who was one of those five stars Georgia signed. Cox is just not a disciplined player. Right. He's got some explosiveness. He doesn't set the edge. He's inconsistent. He can make a play, but he gives up just as many more. Um, Justin Shorter, the Penn State kid. I mean, he, he made some plays at LSU. He's pretty explosive, but again, he doesn't have that speed. You know, he doesn't have the separation. You know, he can make plays in the air here and there, but and he's good, but he's not like special. Then you have two running backs who are still sitting on the bench: Lingard, Lorenzo Lingard, who I don't understand what's going on with him, and then Demarcus Bowman, who might still need a little seasoning, but he was a Clemson guy. The kid gained 228 yards in the state championship game against St. Thomas Aquinas, which is like a football power when Lakeland beat him in 18. This kid's a gamer, and he can't get on the field. I I mean, is it because Pierce, Davis, and Wright are so much better? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just confused. So they're getting like leftover five stars, more or less, discarded ones. And the two they've signed, Javon Dexter, the defensive tackle, just hasn't been, hasn't panned out quite to the level we were expecting, despite having all the tools in the world. I mean, he's a late 
started playing football when he was a junior in high school. I mean, he's still got a long career ahead of him. I'm not going to like cast judgment yet, but he's a sophomore and not making the impact many expected. And then Jason Marshall, the cornerback. Now, you see, I can name all six of them and talk about each one a little bit. You probably can't go down the list of five stars on Georgia. We'd be here till, you know, what time? It would be here at 9.30. I mean, that's the difference. And well, I think and it's, we're going to see it on Saturday. We will. We'll see it in the second half. And, again, I think Florida's going to score 17. I think they're going to push Georgia. I think, to your point, Edgar, I think Florida uh, Georgia's depth is going to kick in, not to the extent that maybe Alabama did against Tennessee when they turned it into a 28-point game in the fourth quarter. That was pretty drastic and had to do with, with Alabama 40-minute ball control, which is just unheard of. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But the defensive depth, the waves that Georgia can keep sending at you, they have like 12 different guys with sacks. A lot of those five stars you're talking about come in, the seventh, eighth offensive lineman, the fourth and fifth defensive lineman the fifth and sixth linebacker. But again, the secondary can be exploited. I just feel like JT Daniels, from what I saw at practice today, he looks ready. And, and I don't know what's happened. A lot of people got amnesia about this guy, Edgar. He came in last year riding in on a white horse, throws for 400 yards in a game that Georgia loses. If he doesn't play against Mississippi State, they're losing because Mississippi State completely stopped the run. And JT threw for 400. They won by a touchdown at home and, and gave this team resuscitation because they were dead after Florida beat them. It was the first time since 2016 that Georgia didn't have control of their own destiny in the regular season. And JT single-handedly brought Georgia football back to life at the end of last season after that Florida loss. Even a win over Cincinnati, you know, Georgia had five guys opt out. Little did we realize just how loaded Cincinnati was. You're seeing that now, the number one and two team. Boy, that was a great peach bowl. And JT comes through with a two-minute drive. He starts this year against a game Clemson team that was tons worse than it is now. People don't understand once teams start losing, losing players, they lose their edge. The Clemson you're seeing now is not the Clemson that George beat in the season opener, such a dangerous game and how well Venables had prepared. And JT, one pick, really dodged a lot of bullets in that game. Um, and, and then he uh, and then the injury. Right. And and so he, he looked great against South Carolina. And what I saw today, he looked great. Uh, I think George is going to open it up and win this game in the second half, probably something like uh, 35 to 17. I know the spreads around 14. That sounds reasonable. I, that hey, sounds I, have a question. I have a question for you. May yeah. I ask one of you? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So I want to – so how good – well, first thing, and I'm seeing some comments fly by, and a couple have been complimentary, so thank you, Miriam, and a few of the others who've, who've enjoyed this. But uh, <laughs> the must champ was here, okay? Obviously, I covered well. And you make the point about Kirby that that's kind of the ethos of these guys, right? That's their core belief system. And I'm a defense guy myself, man. Um, I've always loved defense. I didn't even try on offense back when I was 25 pounds heavier and played high school football. I didn't even want to play offense. I like I was aggressive and liked to play defense, right? So you you when you like that, you want to play that style, right? You wanna you wanna hammer teams and like impose your will on them, right? Well, that that isn't the game anymore. And you're you know, Will lost his job because his inability to adapt. And look at what Nick Saban's done. That guy's core belief system is defense. Well, he was complaining about tempo 10 years ago, right? I, he, he, like, wanted it outlawed. He and Gus Malzahn were, like, going at it at SEC Media Days in 2012 about that. And I'm thinking – and then 13 is when Auburn had that incredible year. Maybe it was 13. And Nick's, like, mm -hmm. doing his, you know, toe-in-the-sand routine about, like, yeah, like, he doesn't really care, but it's – bemoaning something and he's just like driving his point home he wants them to get rid of tempo 
Well, he's as up-tempo as anyone now. I mean, those, those offenses are so explosive. Kirby hasn't, like, adjusted like that. And Will certainly never did and couldn't. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. You know, that's tough to, to kind of change your mentality. I think it, it applies to Dan in respect to his loyalty, maybe to his staff, maybe to – I mean, Todd Grantham and him are buddies. I get it. Todd's done, it has a reputation. He's done well for Dan. But man, after last year, you really had to take a serious look at what was going on here. And I get you were going to eat 1.8 million and it was after a pandemic when you lost 54.5. So maybe the timing wasn't there. But Todd's contract runs out this year. And Dan, unless something like radically changes this team turns into the 85 bears or something in the next five weeks it's like they got to move on and i don't know whether that's there are other people on the staff i'm not going to start naming names but this staff needs to get better at recruiting and these coaches they just get that way so right you got to be adaptable man and we'll see if kirby is i I think he is i know that's where you were going and I'm telling you, it's, it, I felt I've like said it James, to you before. I don't know that I think he's a great in-game coach. I've said that to you before, and well, I don't want to shortchange Kirby because I don't watch every Saturday. No, but I think I think what's happened and what I've seen is I think last year push came to shove, and and I can't say when or how, but I feel like after the Florida game that we saw Todd Munkin get more control. JT got on the field and it almost looked like, you know, Kirby step took a step back and said, all right, you know, let's see what the hell you got. You know, I remember that the game when JT came in there and threw for 400, some of those passes, man, those bombs, I guarantee you those weren't scripted. That was JT Daniels saying, this is what I got. This is what I got coach. And cause you saw Kirby on a couple of those throws, his head swiveled like what the, I mean, cause JT went vertical, man. And it was it took the roof off the defense, and Georgia fans were just hallelujah because we hadn't seen a 400-yard passing game at Georgia since Aaron Murray. And all of a sudden, here's JT Daniels, this kid we've heard so much about. And it was such a great moment, not just for Georgia, but for JT Daniels because, listen, I get the Stetson Bennett story. I, Edgar, I can pitch it to you. You're such a talented, gifted writer you'd probably win a national award if you did a feature on Stetson Bennett. The guy's a five foot eight walk on that nobody wants. Is he really five eight? Yeah, he's about five eight, five nine. I he know his story's pretty fantastic. The first year he doesn't play, so he transfers to a JUCO in Mississippi. He leads them to a JUCO title game, loses, but still 10 game winner. Comes back to Georgia, gets a scholarship to back up Jake Fromm in 2019 because Fields has flown the coop because he doesn't want to stick around here and compete. He wants the guaranteed job, and Ohio State's giving it to him. They'll build the whole offense around him. You know how that story ended. So he comes back to back him up. He's an afterthought the whole offseason. We're sitting here talking about Jamie Newman. Then Newman and, 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 and Munkin don't, don't jibe. So all of a sudden, JT Daniels pops up in Athens, and you're like, wait a minute, whatever happened to Jamie Newman, right? But now here's JT Daniels, which tells you something's going on. Newman doesn't like it. He opts out, COVID. JT's knee isn't ready after all. So now you got Dwan Mathis coming off brain surgery, for goodness sakes. He goes out there. The center can't snap the ball to him. Jermaine Burton's running the wrong routes. The Arkansas people that are there are rowdy. And so Stetson comes in. This is a four-string afterthought guy. Settles everybody down. Kicks Arkansas's butt. And Kirby keeps, gives him the reins. And all he does is win. He beats Arkansas. He beats Auburn. He beats Tennessee. And doggone it, he's beaten that Alabama team 24-20 to 20 at halftime in Tuscaloosa. Now, he got shut out in the second half. And then he gets into a slobber knocker with Kentucky, throws a couple picks. They win 14-3 to three ugly. JT still hasn't been in there. And Kirby makes the call that JT's still not ready. Starts stead against Florida. They're up 14-0. to zero, and, he, and he busts up his shoulder. And he's out. And he comes back, but he's not the same because he can't throw. Then JT comes in and just lights it up. And and, and the, so the Stetson story, you'd agree with me. You say, man, Mike, that is 
that is some compelling stuff. Juco, walk-on, backup, fourth string, you know. But but let's dig this story for a second. JT Daniels, five-star national player of the year in high school as a freshman, national player of the year, Max Preps as a sophomore, national player of the year, uh, Gatorade Junior High School National Championship, graduates high school a year early so he can start at USC as a true freshman, only the second guy to ever do that at a quarterback-rich school, and then everything goes wrong. The team sucks. The center snaps are off. There's no protection. He goes through three different play callers. They have a losing season, and all this attention is on this kid who all he's done all his life is win, and now he gets thrown into USC in their mess, and he's the, he's the scapegoat because that's who we blame, the quarterback. Well, the Daniels kid, he, well, maybe he should have stayed in high school another year, but he didn't. So he spends the whole offseason, new coordinator, everything's going good. First half, over 200 yards passing. Boom, ACL, he's out. Next guy up, plays tremendous, gets close to the coordinator. Daniels looks at it and says, do I really want to get into this quarterback drama or do I want to transfer somewhere else? Could have gone anywhere, Oregon, Ohio State, Tennessee, LSU. He shocks the world and chooses Georgia. He buys into Georgia, comes here, plays great the last four games of the season, gets off to a good start here, and then gets this lat injury. And now all of a sudden there's some of these fans that are like, oh, you got he's soft, he's glass. He, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you really getting down on this kid after all the crap he's been through to finally arrive at a place like Georgia where he can take his game to the next level where all he's done is win and you really are going to doubt this guy when all he's done is win? Edgar, nine of nine on third down throws for conversions this year in SEC play. Top five quarterback rating according to ESPN. And there's people that doubt JT De so both of these quarterbacks have compelling stories for Georgia. The bottom line is JT has much greater upside, a much higher ceiling. And that's not to say anything bad about the other guy, but there's a reason that one was a three-time national player of the year in the five-star, and the other one didn't have a scholarship offer to an SEC school. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You are who you are. And, uh, you know, as hard as I try, you know, I, I don't know that I could ever spin a story like you guys. Let me tell you, if you haven't read Edgar's stuff, he's a gifted, gifted writer. I'm a try-hard information guy. Oh, come this on. guy's a gifted You are, Edgar. You do a great job. But well, I appreciate that. On it, Edgar. My producer, Carvel, he's, uh, he's telling me that, that I've gone 15 over. Uh, okay. The, 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 the savages are out there. They've been lighting it up all night. They, they want uh, Mullen fired. They want me. They want everybody fired. They want me fired. They want you fired. They're, they're fired up, man. It's Florida week. 44-28 doesn't sit well. Uh, it upset a lot of people. The Gators rubbed it in. All I'm saying is this Florida team is dangerous. They're going to put points up, and they're going to they're gonna push Kirby uh, to score some points. That's my final thought. Give me your final thought on the night, Edgar. I mean, my final thought, I wrote it earlier. I mean, this is one of the most heated rivalries in college football, and it it always delivers surprise. It's it delivers surprising outcomes often, but their momentum swings. I've covered a bunch of these now. This is probably my like my fifteenth, and you feel like you can start writing, and then it's like, uh oh, hold on, maybe I can't write. I mean, that happens a lot in this game. Uh, we had the must champ 2014 game. I mean, the guy's as good as fired, and they come in here and ran for 400 and whatever yards. You remember that one? So some wild stuff happens in this game. I, I'm not predicting the Gators to upset this, but I'm not I, – I don't – I'm not picking – I mean, I think they'll cover. 14. amazing. I, I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to put up a fight. I think Dan's going to have a, a game plan for the last time. I've said that 20 times now. He is going to have some things up his sleeve. I just don't think they're going to have the depth and the talent ultimately to pull off what would be a monumental upset. I would agree. I would agree. That's a great place to close it. I want to thank you, Edgar, for coming on. Uh, as always, enjoy our conversations on Zoom, off Zoom, you're you're a great friend. People don't know what a good person you are. In addition to being a, a gifted writer, 
for the Orlando Sentinel. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Always enjoy on the beat. We get this thing lit up, man. We, we it's real talk. Not gonna not gonna sing the praises. Not gonna give you the rainbows and the unicorns, folks. Just shooting straight Monday night. I get a shot to call it like I see it. I hope you enjoy that. It's unfiltered. And again, it's not looking at it through bulldog goggles. This is a special Georgia team. Right now, I do believe they're going to win the national championship, but they've got to amp it up. And Florida is going to do Georgia a favor by pushing Georgia to amp it up another level on offense. I think that's what you're going to see Saturday. Tomorrow night, Connor Riley, Connor in coverage. Wednesday night, Jeff Sintel. Uh, then, of course, Brandon Adams every day in the new Dog Nation uh, Daily Studios, 10 a.m. Check us out. I'll be on Feinbaum's show Friday afternoon from Jacksonville. Everybody have a wonderful week, and thanks for joining me tonight on the Ingles on the Beach show.